But I think all those things together, you know, it's learning, it's applying, it's teaching, it's writing, it's doing these things because to be a, and again, quote unquote, thought leader, it's not just a matter of, of having these thoughts or knowing these things, but it is a matter of sharing it with others, of getting it out there, of, of promoting this and communicating the value that you're bringing to the marketplace. You're listening to The Business of Thought Leadership with Nikki Ballou and Michael Palmer. Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Business of Thought Leadership. I'm your co-host, Nikki Ballou. I'm that other co-host, Michael Palmer. Michael, I am so excited about our guest today. I am speaking, of course, of the legendary thought leader, motivational guru and best-selling author, Bob Berg. It's incredible that he's going to be with us today. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited and I, I, I'm really excited to hear his story. You know, just from a glance at the work that he's done, it just sounds very heart-based and uh, I really am excited to be hearing how he, where he got started and where he's taken his business and where he's headed. You know what? I first heard about Bob through a couple in Quebec who had a um, a small publishing company. They published one of his books, and they just couldn't stop raving about this man. What a great human being he was! What a difference he'd made for them and for all their readers. And they were so excited. So, with no further ado, let's get to our interview with the legendary Bob Berg. Hello, Bob. How are you? Great, Michael and Nikki. Fantastic to be with both of you. It's really an honor to have you on the show. It's our pleasure, yes. So, Bob, we like to start off the show by asking our guests a very simple question. I'll give you the context for it first. The name of this podcast is The Business of Thought Leadership. Most of our listeners tend to be coaches, consultants, aspiring thought leaders, and solopreneurs, although we do have a strong contingent of business owners with larger businesses as well. But our main demographic is really interested in how you got to be Bob Burke, how you became someone with something to say that people valued and how you made that commercially successful. Would you mind sharing your story with us? Well, I, I think it always begins with having an interest in something and being willing to learn everything you can about it. Uh, I don't consider myself a thought leader. Uh, I mean, I appreciate so much that you've, you've said that. And it means a lot to me that you would think that of me. I don't necessarily think of myself as a thought leader because I don't necessarily think I've had an original thought. <laughs> uh, I've I've more learned and studied so many people. Uh, you know, I began my professional career in broadcasting. I started in radio, and then I was a, a uh, reporter on a, a TV, you know, for a, a local ABC affiliate in the uh, Midwest U.S. And it was a small station. Uh, I wasn't particularly good at it. And it wasn't really that long before I wasn't in broadcasting anymore. I, I, li I, I like to call it graduated into sales. But I had a challenge, and that was I knew nothing about sales. And so the first thing I did after, actually, I shouldn't say first thing, the second thing I did, the first thing I did was floundered for about two months. The second thing I did was go into a bookstore and get books on selling. And 
back then, this is, you know, 35, I guess almost 40 years ago. And I got books by Tom Hopkins, the, the Clat Now classic, How to Master the Art of Selling, books by Zig Ziglar, See You at the Top, and others I started studying. And within a very short period of time, actually, I began to really thrive in sales. And the only difference really was that now I had a system, I had a way of doing it that I didn't know about before. Uh, I personally define a system as the process of predictably achieving a goal based on a logical and specific set of how-to principles. In other words, if it's been proven that by doing A, you'll get the desired result of B, then you know that all you need to do is A and continue to do A, and you'll eventually get the desired result of B. That's just how life works. So it really was a matter of being a student, and I'm still a student. You know, 35, 40 years later, I'm more of a student than ever. But as I started to to really expand my sales career and have a lot more success and become a sales manager and so forth, I started to be asked by others to teach them what was working for me and for my team. And it, it sort of expanded that way. When I went into the business of speaking, many of my friends in National Speakers Association, which is US-based, I know you all are in Canada, you have a great organization up there called CAPS, the Canadian Association of Professional Speakers. But within National Speakers Association, they kept saying that you need to write a book. And that way you would position yourself better, more effectively in the marketplace. You could get higher fees. You'd be more desired by various uh, organizations and businesses. And, and that turned out to be true. But I think all those things together, you know, it's learning, it's applying, it's teaching, it's writing, it's doing these things because to be a, and again, quote unquote, thought leader, it's not just a matter of, of having these thoughts or knowing these things, but it is a matter of sharing it with others, of getting it out there, of, of promoting this and communicating the value that you're bringing to the marketplace. I don't know if that answered the question or not. I hope I did. Absolutely, you did. Well, here's here's how one of our mentors, uh, the great Matt Church from Australia, the um, he's one of the the top speakers in Australia. In fact, he is the top speaker in Australia, mm -hmm. and he created Thought Leaders Business School, and uh, we use a lot of his material in delivering our programs. He says mm -hmm. that the definition of a thought leader is like this: an expert is someone who knows something. A thought leader is someone who's known for knowing something. And I'd mm -hmm. say by that definition. You, sir, are definitely a thought leader because you are known for knowing something and knowing uh, it very well. Thank you. Well, thank you. And I like Matt's definition. That really, that's a, a really nice clarifying definition. Uh, I wholeheartedly agree. So what were some of the adversities that you faced, you know, on your way to becoming a success in the world of thought leadership and speaking and, and delivering the expertise that you have? Well, I think adversities are the same that most people have, you know, that, that not, that most people aren't just going to accept you and accept your message because you want them to. And you, you might believe you really, that you have something to say, but, uh, you've got to be able to sell that idea. And even when you're doing that, there's always going to be more people who say no than say yes. And I think it's a matter of, uh, just, you know, having that desire that's so strong and having that belief and that feeling that you really believe in what you're doing, that you'll go out and do the work despite the fact that people aren't always going to be encouraging to you. In fact, they're usually not, you know, the world at large is not usually going to be encouraging to you. And so, um, you know, I think it's really a matter of that. My, my good friends, Andrea Waltz and, uh, 
uh, Richard Fenton wrote a, a wonderful book called Go For No. It's a, a business parable. And the- I've read that the, book. Yeah. And the, the premise is that yes is the destination, but no is how you get there. And I so believe that. And it's really, it's a book I wish I, I had at the beginning of my sales career. <laughs> that would have been very helpful. But, uh, you know, and, and I, I think what they said is really, is really correct. Uh, because no is a part of it. You know, you, you feel that, uh, as the saying goes, that five-gallon barrel of no's in order to get that one quart of yeses. But that one quart of yeses is all you need. That's all you need to really get yourself out there to the point that there's enough momentum uh, that things begin to, to really take hold. But I think that's one of the biggest challenges to anyone who wants to, to be a successful entrepreneur, a thought leader, if you will, or, or what have you. It's understanding that you, you believe in your message, but that doesn't mean others are automatically going to. They're probably not. I'd love, uh, Bob, to talk a little bit about your business and the model. I mean, we, we have lots of different guests on, and I'm always really curious to see, you know, where they focus and what their, their model looks like. What about yours? Well, ours has evolved over the years, uh, especially as I get older and I don't want to be on the road speaking as much. For many years, my model was that I spoke at a lot of corporate and organizational conferences and you know, got paid a, a nice fee for it. But at many of them, I also had uh, a CDs and other, right? not usually at corporate events. You usually cannot do that, but at association events or uh, direct selling events or different events where I would be. Also did a lot of public events. And so the, the model was basically, I got paid a speaking fee and I sold a lot of uh, CD programs. And that was fine for what it was. But again, as I've gotten older, I really have wanted to get more out of the trading time for money, if you will, because you've still got to be out there doing it. And uh, so we have more online programs now. We have uh, what we call the Go-Giver Sales Academy online course. Uh, we also have the Go-Giver Sales Academy in-person workshop, uh, which uh, we hold in usually in Orlando, Florida. We limit it to 10 people because we go very, very deep into people's businesses and connect what they're looking to accomplish with the five laws of stratospheric success from the, from the Go-Giver. And so we also have a, a team of certified Go-Giver speakers, and these are people who purchase the rights to uh, speak on my, for lack of a better term, intellectual properties <laughs> that I've developed over the years. And uh, so we have that different model now where we have a lot, and of course the royalties from different books and different programs and licensing that I've set up with other, uh, you know, other uh, people and companies. So, so we have a, a model that's now more a combination uh, because I'm still out there speaking. I'm still doing about 20 out of state uh, engagements a year. Uh, but it's, it's more of a combination of that and uh, uh, programs that are online and are even more as we as we start. For example, with the Go Giver Sales Academy online course, we've been doing these live, but we're recording them. So eventually, those will simply be we'll market those as evergreen, and people can purchase them all the time. So that will be more passive uh, income. I love it. So your your aim and is to keep people closer to Jupiter, where you live. Yeah, very much. And I'm I'm very fortunate because I have a a an amazing business partner, Kathy Tajanel, who's a genius. And she does all the things that I just don't do well. Uh, one of them happens to be technology, though it's certainly not limited to that. And while I'm on, you know, while I'm on all the, the uh, not all, but while I'm on some of the social media and have a, a fairly big online presence there, she is really the one with the, the know-how and the how-to that helps me do that. And so, 
uh, it's really, it's a good partnership. So we don't know like anybody it. like that, do we, Michael? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> Sounds like him and I, actually. He loves doing all the technology stuff, and I love doing all the let's get people in the door stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I love I love your, your model. I love your business. I love how you've evolved. Tell us a little bit. Now, you've been at this for a while. What, what have you seen uh, in terms of the, the market shifting and the, the changes in the way people are doing business and technology? Well, you know, technology has changed the playing field, I think mostly in good ways. Not not always, but mostly. I mean, technology allows us to be able to reach out and connect with people now in ways that we never could before. Now, the people who do it correctly, who understand it's still always about the relationship, they, they can leverage that technology in a very, very good way. The ones who hide behind the technology and think the technology is the thing, they're the ones that maybe don't understand why their business is nowhere near as productive as it, you know, as it could be. One of my guiding principles from which I've, I've always done business and always taught is very simple. And that is that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. Part of that is not doing business with computers they know, like, and trust. It's always the person in front of the computer. So when a person is utilizing technology in order to reach out, they've got to find a way to always understand that it's never about the technology. It's always about the people. So the question is always, before I tweet this or post this or do this or respond to this or whatever, is this adding to the relationship? Is this adding value to this other person's life in a way that they understand it to be of value? You know, I've heard the line about people doing business with people they know, like, and trust, but I've never heard anyone refer to people not wanting to do business with computers they know, like, and trust. Yeah, it's just that they I, don't. I thought that it's was always awesome. The, it's always the people, yeah. That was fantastic. That's brilliant. Thank you. You've been, as Michael said, you've been doing this a while. You're, you're, you're known. You've got a program. You make things happen for yourself. What was it like for you the first time you actually went out there and asked somebody to pay you to speak? You'd never done it before. What kind of, what kind of feelings and anxieties did you experience? And how would you overcome them? How did you make that first sale? Well, I did do probably a couple of hundred free, you know, programs before I ever got paid for it. So I spoke at every Rotary and Kiwanis and professional group and, you know, any, any group that would have me speak, uh, I would speak for, you know, do those 20 to 25 to 30 minute talks. So, you know, I sort of had the, the feeling of comfort that I had value that I could, that I could uh, provide. But back when I first started speaking, you know, obviously I charged a very, very low fee. And yeah, I was very nervous about even asking for that only because it was a, a new thing. And the first time I think that you ask for anything that's, that's new, that's out of your comfort zone, you know, the chances are you're probably going to be a little nervous about it. And I was, I remember uh, it was about a year after I started that I uh, had wanted to, or actually one of my, uh, he was really a mentor to me, not a, not a formal mentor, but just a great guy who was a, uh, who, who really was a, a mentor. You know, he said to me, you know, what are you, what are you charging now? And I told him, he said, that's all you're charging. And I said, yeah. And he goes, why aren't you asking for any name to, you know, another figure that was significantly higher? And I said, well, I, I don't know if I could get it. So how do you know until you try? He said, do you feel you're worth that? I said, well, yeah, I, I do. 
And he said, well, go ahead and ask for it. You know? and, and, you know, and finally I did. And I, I actually don't remember if I got the first one that I asked for or not, but I know I eventually did get that. And, and my fee went to that point and then the comfort level was there. And then I took the next step after that. And, you know, you, you, like anything else, you, you change and you grow. That's a powerful story because you know what? We need mentors. We need to have the right people around us. Michael and I interviewed someone else uh, earlier today. When we do these podcast interviews, we do a few of them in a day. Mm -hmm. And that person said to us, and it's so true, that the most important thing you can do is surround yourself with the right people. And it Mm -hmm. sounds like in the case of this mentor, you really did that. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a very wise statement that your, your last guest said. I think that's so important because really, uh, you know, you want people around you who will encourage you uh, and also be very truthful with you and let you know where you're, where you're going well and where you're off base. And, and it doesn't mean they're going to make your decisions for you, nor should they, but they can put things in front of you that get you to think and get you to, add, to question and ask the right questions. You talked earlier, Bob, about putting together a book and how that helped you with your speaking career. How did you arrive at a decision on when was the right time for you to come out with your book? And, uh, and what did you learn from the process of doing it? And what would, you, what would you do differently? And specifically, what would you tell our listener to do properly if they're thinking of coming out with a book for themselves? Well, I, again, I think like anything else, you learn how to do it from people who have done it and people who are, are teaching. You know, some people, they can, they can do it, but they can't really teach it. What you want is someone who can do it and who can who can teach it. And so there, fortunately, there's many people out there who have written books and who know how to do it and put it together. And so you do your research. There's a lot online that you can find out. And of course, you also need to be careful, make sure you're, you're getting with the right people. Um, but it's like anything else. It's a process. There's a system to it. Uh, I don't think you have to even start with a full-fledged book. You can start with a booklet. Uh, but I think it is important to, if, if, if being a thought leader and or positioning yourself and your business, whether it's a local business and you're a small entrepreneur or a bigger business or whatever it is you're doing, uh, I think it's great to have something out there in writing that you have authored. But I think it can be a booklet or a small book. I don't think you have to, to you know, put together a, you know, a, a big how-to book or, or what have you. Um, so don't be limited by, by what you think is expected or, or what you think, you know, might be needed. Uh, but again, I, you know, is, is learn how to do it. And, uh, you'll also want to decide if you want to go through a, a traditional publisher, or if you want to do it yourself independently or self-publish, both have their advantages and their disadvantages. So when you can, and I, I know you all are a, a, a great source of information. So the people who you coach and the people who, who learn from you, you know, might want to ask you these questions or, you know, or, or you might want to interview someone who that's exactly what they do. They talk about how to put books together. But again, the big thing is to know that that information is out there. There's information on how to, how to be a good writer, how to, how to publish, how to promote your work. Uh, because again, the writing And again, depending upon what you want your book to do, uh, the easiest part is writing the book. And that's not easy, at least not not for me. But the easy part is writing the book. The most difficult part is the selling of the book, the marketing of the book. Even with The Go-Giver, which is by far my, and that was co-authored with John David Mann, who was really the lead writer and storyteller. He's a a brilliant writer. I'm much more of a uh, how-to, step-by-step person. But even with that book, which is by far my biggest seller I've ever worked on, 
It came out nine years ago, and I still interview on it every day. Uh, well, at least five days, five days a week. Um, <laughs> because sometimes, I mean, sometimes people don't do interviews on Sundays and, and Saturdays. Whenever they're, at, I'm asked, I do. But but that's the thing. I'm continually promoting the book and getting it out there and writing on it and speaking about it and doing interviews on it. So to me, it's not a, a one shot, do this and that's it. It's an ongoing process. Yeah, I love that. And and how I'd love to hear a little bit about how you're actually doing that to get your book. What are some of the things you're doing to promote your book? Well, one of the things I did from the from the get-go is create relationships. And, and many of those people were very happy to help in the promotion of the book. And these are people who, you know, we've, we've worked together and we've done things with and for. And when I asked people to be involved in the promotion, I always let them know that this is not something that they were in any way obligated to do and that I realized they were busy and that they, and, and when I write, I sent emails that I always made sure people knew that. Cause I think that's so very important that people don't feel as though, you know, that in any way they're obligated to do something. I think it should be because people really want to get behind it and they feel comfortable doing that. But we did that. We did a lot of social media Tons of interviews, you know, and again, I, I wish there was a, uh, one, uh, magic bullet I could give people, but there's not, there's a lot of work. Uh, there's also companies that I had done business with before and, and, and would be doing business with that I called to see if they wanted, uh, to review the book and if they liked it, if they wanted to purchase a certain number to be able to put throughout, you know, through the company or, or their team and so forth. And again, many, many more no's than yeses, but that's okay. That's part of the process. Um, so, so it's all these, I won't say little things, but all, all these things that we do and we do it consistently uh, in order to promote. One of our other guests is a man named Raymond Aaron. In fact, he was the very first guest on our podcast. And what he taught me, he's mentored me, was it's not so much that you sell the book. It's that the book sells you. What are your feelings on that statement? Have you found that to be true for you? Uh, well, I, I understand what, he sa- what he's saying. And I, think it's an, I don't think it's an either or. I think it's a both. I think it's an and. Mm, interesting. <laughs> uh, because, you know, uh, I, we do sell, sell the book. We get out there and, and sell it. And the book also sells me. I mean, uh, you know, this is my, this is my first book that I, let's put it another way. The other books that I've written, I could use them as marketing tools. This is when I was really selling myself as a speaker, as a conference speaker. And I, I, I would make the calls or people who were selling for me when it got to that point made the calls and we would use my books as an outgoing positioning tool. Okay. Now the go-giver, this is the first book where I get calls from the companies who want to hire me because the book found their way to them. Uh, it went through their company and now they call and it's just, you know, can you come in to speak and what is your fee? And that's it. And if there's a match on both, then, then that happens. So in this case, yeah, now, you know, the book sells me, but I don't think that would have happened had I not been out there promoting and selling the book. That's fantastic, man. I really like the fact that it's not either or, it's both. So, 
Bob, we like to wrap up every episode by asking our guest, what are your three expert action steps that you would recommend our listeners use in order to take their dream, take their thought leadership to the next level? Well, so assuming that they they know what their dream is, they have that uh, definitive goal, as Napoleon Hill said, in, in Think and Grow Rich. So they they have that. The first thing I would say is seek out and find the system. Okay, don't try and reinvent the wheel. And you've heard me say this sort of throughout the the interview. It's probably already been done before by someone, and that person is teaching how to do it through their own book or or online program or, or some way. So seek out and find the information, uh, learn the system. Second, I'd say is take action. Don't, don't wait until you've got it down perfectly. Cause that just ain't going to happen. Okay. And, and if you wait until it's perfect, you'll never get started. So just go out there and, 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 start, and that doesn't mean to do it sloppily or haphazardly. Of course, I'm, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying once you have enough information to begin begin. You can always course correct along the way, uh, but make sure to take that action. Action without knowledge is the same as not having any knowledge. And then three, we'll go back to just being persistent, outlast the no's, as uh, Andrea and Richard said, right? Yes is the destination, no is how you get there. But understand something, and this is, this is what I, I would say as that last point. I, I think a lot of people, what happens is they quit too soon after hearing a bunch of no's. And it's not the no's themselves that knock them out of the game. What knocks them out of the game is the fact that they think they're the only ones having to go through all these no's. Because they look at the people who are already where they want to be or who, who have attained some sort of success. And they, they naturally think to themselves, oh, they didn't have to go through this. They had an idea, people immediately accepted this, and they just went off and they were off to the races, blah, blah, blah. Very, very seldom does that happen. And so I think what happens is when we think we're the only ones having to go through those no's, we get discouraged. So I want you to know that as you get the no's, which you will, just understand it is a part of the process. Now, I'm not going to say like the no's, okay, and, and feel great about them because, you know, who wants to hear no? But just understand, it is part of the game. And uh, as long as you know that, now you've created the context where you can deal with them and get past them. Those were three absolutely brilliant expert action steps. Now, what you got going on these days, Bob? Is there something you'd like to promote to the listeners? This is time for the big pitch. Well, I think the big things are the Go-Giver Sales Academy uh, online course and or the Go-Giver Sales Academy uh, live workshop for those who would like to get some real two-day intensive action. And uh, they can they can really find either one by going to, but, well, at the site at thegogiver.com. They can pretty much find everything there, including the book, uh, The Go-Giver, where they can get a chapter to see if they like the book first. But they can also look for the Go-Giver Sales Academy, too, if they like. Okay, fantastic. Well, that's awesome. I really enjoyed this interview, and I'm sure I'm speaking for Michael as well. I think we both enjoyed this interview. You were awesome. Thank you for oh, so much for you. being on the show. And uh, I'm interested in checking out uh, what you have going on with the Academy myself. I'm definitely going to grab a copy of the book, start there. And, and uh, Bob Berg, you, sir, are a dynamo. Thank you. Uh, Michael and Nikki, thank you both so much. I appreciate all that you do.
Thank you a lot. Bye-bye. Bye. That was an awesome episode, Michael. I love how he, he unpacked his model, how he's doing things. There's gold there. I think the listener's going to love. And, uh, you know, he's been at this a while. He has a formula. So p- people go check out his website. Take a look at how he's doing things. He's a real good role model for how to get yourself, if you're interested in being a speaker or you're interested in doing the type of work he's doing, he's got the formula. He really does. And um, what I really liked about what he said was that it's not either the book sells you or you sell the book. It's actually both. And that was a powerful point for me and I think a powerful point for our listeners because you can actually sell the book and have the book sell you, especially if you take the time to make the book a valuable book, which obviously he's done with The Go-Giver. And The Go-Giver Sales Academy concept, which is extending his thought leadership, which is one of the things we talk about in, in, in East Circle Academy to people, Michael, is don't just use one way, one mode, if you will, to deliver your, your, your expertise. So don't just have a book, have an, an online academy do speaking engagements because this way you can you can do what Matt Church calls thinking once and sell often and he's obviously mastered doing that and you know I certainly learned from this and I'm sure that our listener is learning a lot from this as well absolutely and listen go to thebusinessofthoughtleadership.com forward slash authority. We've put together a whole bunch of ways you can build out your authority in your marketplace and start doing this right away. And that pretty much wraps another episode of the Business of Thought Leadership. To get all the notes and links that were talked about in the show, please go to thebusinessofthoughtleadership.com. Until next time, goodbye. You've been listening to The Business of Thought Leadership with Nikki Ballou and Michael Palmer. For more information and to download the resources mentioned in this episode, please visit us at thebusinessofthoughtleadership.com. Thank you for listening.